At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. Father God, we thank you for being our provider. Thank you for making a way where there appeared to be no way. So God, we say it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. I'm believing you for my miracle. I'm believing you for my breakthrough. I'm believing you for my blessing. It's mine, it's mine. I'm trusting you, God. You've never let me down. You've always... <laughs> You've always made a way. You've always made a way. Prepare our hearts now to receive your word. Thank you for what you're about to deposit into our spirit. Save, heal, strengthen, and deliver. And God, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Let fresh anointing remain upon our lives. And then God asks as always that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I am I'm doing a, a series right now under this theme, Living Where Life Matters. Living Where Life Matters. It is imperative, beloved, that you live in the right place. Because it is possible to live where life does not matter but you want to live where life matters. And today, before I read the scripture text from which the primary teaching is going to come from, I want to give you a prelude to the teaching today. And I'm going to do this probably for the next few Sundays. I want to give you a prelude to the teaching because I want to prepare your hearts and minds to receive the revelation that God wants to deposit into your spirit. I do not badger people about their financial giving. I do not badger people. I've been pastoring this one church for 39 years. And in 39 years, I have never badgered people about their financial giving. But what I have done in 39 years is I have sought to faithfully teach the Word of God and to help people to understand the principle of practicing biblical stewardship by honoring God through the giving of their tithes and offering and understand that when you practice the principle of God, then you can believe God for His promises. So the purpose of this series, Living Where Life Matters, is to equip you and to empower you to be holistic in every aspect of your life. God wants you 
to be whole physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and financially. Listen very carefully to this statement I'm about to tell you. It is not God's will for you to be broke. God did not create you and neither has he redeemed you to be broke. It is not God's will for you to live in poverty or to stay in poverty. God's will for your life is for you to be empowered. And I want to I want to just bring some scriptures before you. These are not the scriptures that I'm teaching from, but I'm bringing these scriptures before you. You may want to write them down because I'm giving you these scriptures to serve as a biblical credence to what we believe. I am not among a cadre of preachers who preach a false gospel known as the prosperity gospel. I'm not in that group. But I do believe that there's nothing wrong with talking about prosperity when you talk about it correctly, theologically, and biblically. I do believe that my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That does not mean that everybody's going to be a multimillionaire. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean God will take care of you. That godliness with contentment is great gain. I think David is still right. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And that God is still Jehovah Jireh, our provider. So look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. I'm going to read these scriptures quickly as I make my way to the primary text. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18 says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. God can give you wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Stay in Deuteronomy, and I want you to turn to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now, when you start reading with the first verse, it says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God have you ever been ran over by a blessing 
Verse 9 says, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Look at verse 13. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. Are you all reading the same Bible I'm reading? Are you all paying attention? Now what does the Bible say about you? You are the head and not the tail. You will always be above and not what? Beneath. Brothers and sisters, I'm not making this up. This is scripture. Now, I want you to go over to chapter 29. Just go over to one more chapter. Chapter 29, verse 29. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. Now, this verse here is so, so critical. Listen to the word of God. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Who does the secret things belong to? Belongs to God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Now the things that God reveals belongs to who? It belongs to us. Now where does God give us the revelation? He gives us the revelation from his word. Now if he reveals it to you, it belongs to you. That's why a title of the song you just got through singing is biblically based. It's mine. Now if I don't see the revelation, I can't walk in what I don't see. And I can't see what I ain't looking for. But once I see it, there ain't a devil in hell gonna stop me from getting it. And instead of having families with generational curses, it's time to start having families with generational blessings. Because the text says, when God reveals it to me, I pass it on to my children. So Walter, daddy is passing on to you what God has revealed to me. So you should be living at another level higher than your daddy. Little Ben, your father, Ben, is walking in the revelation of God's word. But because of his faithfulness to you as his daddy, that means you are going to live at another level. We ain't going backwards.
We're going forward. We're going higher. Now, just go over from Deuteronomy to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua is leading Israel now into the land of Canaan. This is what God says to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Everything that God gives us in his word, do it. Don't go to the left and don't go to the right because disobedience brings curses, but obedience brings blessings. God said to Joshua, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Are you all reading from the same book I'm reading from? God says, if you take my word, don't go to the left or to the right, but keep it. God said, you will be prosperous and you will have good success. Sean, do you believe this? This is the gospel of good success. God ain't saved you to just barely make it. God says, if you do what I tell you, according to this word, you're going to be prosperous and you're going to have good success. I am not blessed by accident. I'm blessed because I'm living within the will of God. I'm living where life matters. Let me show you just a few more. Turn with me to the book of Psalms. Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. You will show me the path of life. Who is you? That's God. God will show you what? The path of life. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The Bible says, listen, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but it leads to destruction. It looks right, it feels right, it seems right, but it ain't right. But the psalmist said, talking about God, you will show me the path of life. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge him. And what will God do? And he shall direct your path direct your way the plans of a man are many but it's the Lord's plans that prevail stay in Psalm I'm, I'm about to get to the text Psalm 119 Psalm 119 verse 35 make me walk in the path of your commandments 
for I delight in it. Ain't that a good prayer to pray? That God, you're going to show me the path, but I'm asking you, God, make me walk in that path. For I delight, I find joy in doing what you tell me to do and doing it your way. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. I'm getting ready to move to the primary text. <clears throat> Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see. Stand in the ways and see. And ask for the old paths where the good way is. Are y'all reading the same book I'm reading? I ain't making this up. Ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your soul. God says if you walk in the old paths, what are the old paths? It's that which is tried and true. It's the same path your mama and your daddy walked in. It's the same path that your grandmother and your grandfather walked in. If it was good enough for them, it's still good enough for me. You're going to find rest for your souls. But in Jeremiah's day, Israel was hard-headed. But they said, we will not walk in it. Disobedience brings curses. And obedience brings blessings. You ought to look at somebody right now and tell them, I ain't going to be broke no more. Mm-mm. I'm through with being broke. And then look back at them and tell them, and neither am I going to keep living in poverty. Mm-mm. Because God desires to bless me. And since he desires to bless me, I don't have to be broke and I don't have to live in poverty. The purpose of this series is to bring financial empowerment into your life. I'm trying to make life better for you. Now, I'm going to do the invitation again today like I did last Sunday. I'm going to do it throughout this series. It's going to be twofold. I'm inviting people who don't know Jesus Christ to make him the Lord of their life today because that's where it starts. And then I'm extending an invitation for people who are saved but who have not been practicing biblical stewardship to make a commitment today 
that you'll start practicing biblical stewardship, honoring God with your tithes and offering, and that you'll be willing to just stand, raise your hand, and make a declaration to God, God, today, I ain't going to be broke no more. I'm not going to stay in poverty. God, I'm going to start trusting you for your word, believing you, God, for what you say to me in your word, because I'm willing, God, to do what you say do. Now, some, some of you, when I said that last Sunday, made you uneasy because we have a kind of proclivity that we want to live under a mask because we, we, we want to kind of pretend. We don't really want people to know that we haven't been living the way God really wants us to live. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help those of you who are not free enough to be that transparent or that honest. So today, I'm going to go on and be the first one who will stand, raise my hand, and tell you the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So I want you to know as a congregation, as your pastor, I've been saved since I was about 18, 19, 18 or 19, no 18, I started preaching at 19. I started pastoring my first church at 22. I have not always been practicing biblical stewardship, giving God the tithe and the offering. I ain't always done that. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't grow up. I grew up at St. John African Methodist Episcopal Church at 21st and Formosa in Nashville, Tennessee. I don't recall them ever teaching tithes and offering, ever. When I came back to Nashville, when I got out of the Air Force, I went to First Baptist South Inglewood, 1515 Ann Street. I don't ever remember them teaching tithes and offering. What made me start, what made me start is I was reading the Bible. And I went to my pastor one day and I asked Reverend Sweeney, I said, Reverend Sweeney in Malachi, it says, bring the tithes and offering for the Lord. I said, is that what we're supposed to be doing? He said, yes. I said, okay, thank you. And I started doing it. And he's never failed me. I said, God has never failed me. So I'm, I'm raising my hand. I'm the first one. I have not always practiced giving God the tithe and offering. I didn't know. I started doing it, Ron, when I came of knowledge. Now let me give you the other testimony. Since I've been saved, and since I've been practicing giving God the tithes and offering, God has blessed me. But there have been times when I wasted the blessing. Now I know you ain't never done that. But I'm guilty of having wasted the blessing. God can bless you, but you can fool around and waste it. Yeah. Now y'all know I like cars. I don't love them, but I do like them. <laughs> I bought my first Mercedes in 1986. Bought it used. Beautiful silver Mercedes with blue interior. Beautiful car. You know what the Lord did? He blessed me to get it paid for. Ain't that all right? And I went home to Nashville for something. And I saw a friend of mine that graduated from high school with my oldest sister, Dee Dee. 
He worked at a car dealership, a Lincoln dealership. Be careful to not let a dumb spirit get on you. A dumb spirit jumped on me. You know what I did? I traded a paid for Mercedes Benz and got a Mercury Grand Marquis. Fire engine red. You, you know when you know you done done something stupid and you try to convince yourself otherwise? So I'm driving from Nashville back to Louisville trying to make myself feel good about this stupid move I just made. I let a dumb spirit get on me. I got to Louisville, we were living in the parsonage. I parked the car in the back. I went in, Sandra said, Where, where's your car? And who, who, is, who is it done parked in the back behind the parsonage? Whose red car is that? I'm hesitating. <laughs> I, I said, I said, I said, it's mine. <laughs> and I showed her my keys, and I said, now here's your keys. And Sandra said, you don't need to give me those keys, because I ain't going to never drive that thing. <laughs> she called the car a T-H-A-N-G. I ain't going to never drive that thing. <laughs> Bo Cotton talked about me so bad when she saw the car. Bo Cotton said, Pastor, what you doing? And I'm trying to explain. She said, don't say, she said, don't say nothing else to me. She says, if you wanted a fire engine car, we could have taken you over to the fire department and got you a fire engine car. But my pastor don't drive nothing like this. Have you lost your mind? I took the car, Ed, I took the car to courtesy Cadillac that same week. It didn't have but 700 miles on it. Listen to me. I took a financial beating. I took a beating like nobody's business. I lost money like you could never lose money. But I took a beating to get out of a mistake. God didn't make it, I made it. God blessed me, but I wasted the blessing. Now, Grandmama put it like this. She says, there are some mistakes that you pay for. So I learned my lesson. What lesson did you learn, Pastor? I learned not to do what you can call compulsive spending. Because rather than doing compulsive spending, what you spend money on, you ought to do it with some thought. You ought to plan. You ought to purpose. Now that's my confession. I'm telling you, I ain't always been tired that I had to learn. And I'm telling you, even after I started and God blessed me, there were times when I made the mistake and I wasted the blessing. 
But thanks be unto God, I learned from my mistake. And since then, I've been trying to manage what God gives me. And what I'm trying to tell you, beloved, if you want to be blessed, you have to first be in the right position. Because you can't receive the blessing of God if you're out of position. You get in position by honoring God with the tithe and the offering. Then, once you get in the right position, biblical stewardship is teaching you how to manage the blessing, how to manage your money once God gives it to you. It's about financial management. I'm going to say this and I get right to the text. If you take $200 and set it aside in the bank for 52 weeks, $200, at the end of the year, that's $10,400. Just because you took 200 set it aside, put it in the bank every week, just $200. At the end of the year, it's $10,400. In four years, it's a little over $41,000. I wonder if I'm talking to anybody right now that could take $41,000 and pay off some debt. I'm wondering if I have anybody who, wants, who, who could use 41000 to be the down payment on your new home. Because as long as you rent, all you have is a receipt. But when you get a house, you have equity. I wonder if there's somebody who could take 41000 and help put your child into college. So when they graduate, they ain't got no $80,000 debt hanging over their head. I'm wondering if I'm talking to somebody who understood that if in four years I can have 41000 by just putting $200 aside every week, what would I have if I did it for 30 years? If a man has $100 a week and he never learns how to manage his money, you can give that same man a thousand dollars a week and he'll still be broke on Friday. Because he never learned how to manage his financial affairs. I don't need people to teach me so much how to fish. I need somebody to teach me how to own the pond. Because if I own the pond, I can fish when I want to and get all the fish I need. I ain't got to go pay somebody else to fish in the pond. You're going to get that on the way home. I'm not trying to take nothing from you. I'm trying to add to you so you can be financially empowered. Can somebody praise God for what I'm trying to do? 
In Luke chapter 12, in Luke chapter 12, verse 16, Jesus gave this parable. Now here is the primary text. Luke 12, 16. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? I'm going to keep reading. Sean, do you have a problem being a millionaire? You don't? Okay, well, let's go on, Sean. Since you don't have a problem with it, let's go on and touch a degree that you will be one. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my bonds and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night. Your soul shall be, will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. I'm raising the question today, who's the master? That's the question I want to raise is, who's the master? John Ottberg wrote a wonderful book entitled, When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back into the Box. He based the book on that game that you're most familiar with called Monopoly. When you play Monopoly, the way you win the game is you want to control everything that's on the board. So what is your aim? What is your goal when you play Monopoly? You want to be the master of the board. How do I become the master of the board? I own a boardwalk, I own park place, I own the utility companies, I own the bank, I buy all the houses, and I try to seize all the money so that whoever is playing against me in Monopoly I win the game because I control everything and I thereby control them. Therefore, you can easily understand if the name of the game is Monopoly, if the name of the game is Monopoly, then the aim of the game is to monopolize. So what I want to be is I want to be the master of the board. But beloved, when it comes to the Christian life, the Christian life is not to be based upon the philosophy of the game called monopoly. The Christian life is not us living to monopolize and control everything and control everyone. In the Christian life, we are to understand that we are not going to be the master of the board. In the Christian life, we are to understand that the master is going to be God. 
Because what does it mean to be a Christian? To be a Christian means that I repent of my sins and then I ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart and to become my personal Lord and Savior. So Jesus says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, Jesus says, if any man would be my disciple, let him first deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Which means then, when I become a Christian, there's a transformation that takes place in our lives. There is literally a revolution that takes place because somebody just got dethroned. I got moved out of the seat and I'm saying to God, I will no longer be the master because now God, I'm gonna surrender my life to you submit my life to you, and you, God, will become my master. See, I'm saved today, so I know Jesus is my savior. Savior means that I'm not going to hell, heaven's gonna be my home. Savior, as God relates to me as savior, that's speaking of my relationship with God in eternity. But he's not just my savior, he's also my Lord. But Lord speaks of God's relationship with me, listen, right now in time. Because right now in time, now he's my Lord, which means he's my king. And the seat of my heart is not big enough for me and Jesus both to sit there. Who is the master? He's the master now. He's the Lord, he's the king, he's the ruler. So I'm saying to God, have your own way. Not my will, but thy will be done. I'm saying yes to his will, I'm saying yes to his way. The hymn writer put it like this, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. What I'm saying to us, beloved, is that you cannot be the master and Jesus the master too. What I'm saying is that to be a Christian is you relinquish the control of your life. You turn your life over to God and you're saying to God from here on, you will have the say of my life and you will be the master of my life and God, I'm gonna trust you, not for some things. God, I'm gonna trust you for everything. So look at the man in the text. A certain rich man. That's how Jesus described him. He was rich. He was doing all right, y'all. He didn't want for anything. A certain rich man had a good crop season. We would say today his business was thriving. He was doing so well. He says, I've taken in so many crops. He says, I ain't got room in my barn to store them. He says, I got a problem. So he says, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna tear down my barn. 
Now listen carefully to his language because he speaks of everything in personal pronoun. My bond and there I will bestow all my crops. Personal pronouns. He, he, he speaks uh, as though it's, he's the master, that he's in control. It all belongs to him. He didn't really have a problem, did he? He just, did, he just didn't acknowledge his options. He had another choice. He didn't have to tear down his barn and build another barn to, to find room for overflow, for abundance. What was his choice? What was his other option, Pastor, if he didn't tear down his barn? Was to take the overflow and the abundance and give it to others. He had enough to live on. Take the overflow, take the abundance, and give it to others. How many shoes can you put on your feet at one time? And you got 200 pair in your closet. <laughs> How many dresses can you wear, sister? How many suits can you put on, brother? Have, you, have we ever thought about taking the excess? I got a problem. I can't get in my closet. You ain't got a problem. You just need to exercise. <laughs> you just need to exercise some options. How about blessing somebody else? Somebody said you make a living by what you earn but you make a life by what you give. Teach Walter Malone Jr. Yeah. The man was so self-centered, so selfish. He never thought about helping nobody else, never thought about blessing nobody else. It was all centered around him. He said, I don't want to misquote him, he said, he has a conversation with himself. He says, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He had a misplaced value system. He started putting his focus on that which was temporary and lost sight on what was eternal. Did y'all hear what he said? I don't need to go to church every Sunday. I need to go play some golf. I don't need to go to Bible study on Wednesday. I'm busy. I got to look at some more stuff on my checking balances. And I got to wash my car and wax it. I'm so caught up in the material and the physical world. I've lost sight of my spiritual being. The things that's gonna last, I done lost sight. 
because I think I'm the master of the board. I live like I'm entitled. I live like I'm supposed to wake up every day. But the text says that God disrupted his life. Do you know God can intervene in the affairs of your life, that God can step in without getting your permission? God disrupted his life and God says, fool. God called the man a fool and said to him, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? You ain't gonna live another day, fool. You ain't gonna get to build a barn, fool. You ain't going on another trip, fool. You're going to check out of here tonight. The house, the car, the yacht, the savings account, everything, the clothes, the rings, the watches. You're leaving it tonight. And, and then whose are these things going to be? So Jesus concludes the, the parable by saying, so is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Pastor, what is the aim of our lives as Christians? I'm glad you asked. It is not to be rich with things. It is to be rich toward God. That's the aim of life, is to be rich toward God. Because I'm telling you, everything you got, it ain't yours. And I promise you, you're going to leave it. And I promise you, you ain't going to live always and forever. All of us got a date with death. I'm not being morbid. I'm, it's reality. We step on the stage, we step off. And when you step off, you leave everything. No wonder Jesus said, lay not up for, your trails, for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust and dust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break in and steal. Brothers and sisters, I would encourage us, don't get it twisted. Don't, 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 don't operate with the wrong value system. And you won't operate with the wrong value system if you don't forget who the master is. You're not the master, God is the master. In John chapter 15, verse 15, and I close, Jesus said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Because a servant does not know what his master does. But I call you friends because all that the Father has revealed to me, I have made known to you. As I close this lesson today, when God speaks of you and me, when he addresses us, what designation does he use to speak of us. 
Now he's only calling you one of two things. Either God calls you a fool or he calls you a friend. He's not calling you anything in between. He ain't calling you anything else. Either this morning when God looks at me, he says, you fool. Or when God looks at me, he says, you friend. That, that's the only way. Either I'm his friend or I'm a fool. When he looks at you, how is he speaking of you today? Is he speaking of you to say that you are a fool? The Bible says the fool had said, there is no God. Or does he speak of you as a friend? I don't know how you want him to speak of you. I, want, I don't want God to call me a fool. I want God to call me a friend. Because I've lived long enough, Sister Lanier, to know that in this world, filled with trouble and trials and tribulations that I'm going to need a friend. And what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Yeah. The Bible says that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And then I'm so glad that while I live in a world and I never know what I'm going to have to deal with from one day to the next, I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live fretful. I don't have to live anxious. But I can live with assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Yes. Heir of salvation. Purchased of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. And this is my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. Oh, I know you got a story. And I know you got a song. But this is my story. And this is my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. Who is the master? For me, God is the master. And I'm glad about it. The people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.